there's a Bears fan in this place, I want you to wave at me. All right, let me look around. All right. I'm raising both hands. All right, now this was a more serious question. Who's a Packers fan in this place? All right. All right. Uh, ushers, ushers, take them out of the building. <laughs> Get them out of here. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to tell you a true story. Some of you have asked the question, you know, Pastor, how do you, you know, I had a discussion with one of my kids the other day. Dad, how do you figure out what to preach on? Well, I pray a lot. I'm in the Word a lot. I read a lot. I pay attention a lot, and I try to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not how I always get sermon series, all right? So I'm not trying to scare you. I'm like, that's how he figures out what to preach on. You'll understand more in just a minute. All right, but I'm going to tell you where this sermon series came from. I had a bunch of leaders over at our house. It was on a Monday night. The Bears were opening the season against the Green Bay Packers. Now, I'm just telling you, in Christian love, I hate the Packers, all right? <laughs> And if you wonder why I hate the Packers, Steve, it's because the Packers have been abusing the Bears for a decade. Twice a year for 10 years, that's 20 times I'm sick of it. I'm like a, I'm like a whipped dog, all right? So I come down on Monday Night Football, and I sit down in my recliner, and I'm going to kick my feet up. I turn on the Bears game, and what I saw absolutely stunned me. In fact, I started blinking my eyes. I'm looking more carefully. What I thought I saw was Chicago 20, Green Bay nothing. That's what I thought I saw. Then I put my glasses on. I got closer. Then I had to sit back down because a wave of holy joy overtook me. I kid you not, I called my wife. Honey, honey, she comes running down there like, are you okay? I'm better than okay. You cannot believe what's happening right now. I'm telling her the whole thing. I've been abused for 10 years. I've had, to, I've had to watch the green bean pickers beat the bears for so many years. I'm so sick of it. It drives me crazy. It hurts me every year. I get my hopes up only to be dashed. And I said, I cannot believe the joy I'm experiencing right now. This is incredible. I mean, I kid you not, I'm, I'm only slightly embellishing how I felt. There was euphoria sweeping my soul. I felt like I was, I felt like I was experiencing new birth. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not, it's not that good, not that good. But here's what happened. So I'm sitting in the chair, and then I find out that Aaron Rodgers hurt his leg. Now, I prayed a, a quick prayer. Lord bless Aaron Rodgers' leg. But don't let them get that healed until next game, okay? And uh, so then, then halftime ends, and I, I'm like, I, I am going to enjoy the second half. This is going to be so great. The Bears' defense was dominating. I mean, just body slamming people. Yeah, it was awesome. And, uh, and then halftime happens, and then Aaron Rodgers starts walking back out like this. And I'm like, No. But here's the thing, there's 80,000 Green Bay Packer fans, and you know how it is? They're all looking because they want to see how serious is the injury. It could have been the end of the year, first game, end of the year for Rodgers. So they're all looking, and there is a crescendo of cheers that starts to go across the Green Bay Packer Stadium. All of a sudden, you start hearing these cheers welling up. There's 80,000 people in the stadium. Come on, Steve, that smile on your face says it all. <laughs> 80,000 people, and they're all like, yes, 
He's back on the field. Aaron Rodgers, there he is limping. 80,000 people. Ah! Now, remember I was talking about culture last Sunday. What would be going off in your heart if you're the captain of that team, you can hardly walk, you sprained your knee, you're down 20 to nothing, you're limping back out on the field, and you realize that the reason those 80,000 fans are cheering is because the captain just limped back on the field. And Rodgers, what we didn't realize, Rodgers went over and he talked to his head coach, and then he did something that I'm still trying to recover from. He went back on the field with one leg. Do you know there's Bears quarterbacks that have had four legs, six legs. They couldn't play like Aaron Rodgers on one leg, <laughs> all right? And Aaron Rodgers just went right down the field, and at the end of the game, one leg, wincing, limping, throwing the ball, and then going like this, he just destroys the Bears. And the Bears lose. Hey, stop it. <laughs> stop it in Jesus' name. All right. Now, in one half, he decimated a 20-point uh, head start, let's just say. But here's, here's what happened in the post-game interview, and when I watched this, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me. I want to show you the post-game interview. It takes about eight seconds. I don't know if you could hear that. He walks up to his coach after hearing 80,000 fans. He walks up to his coach on one leg and says this, we might as well go and win this thing. He's got one leg and down 20 points, and he says, we might as well go and win this thing. Now, let me tell you what that's called. It's called swagger. And uh, every, every great athlete has it. I mean, you know, movie stars like Denzel Washington. Hey, Denzel Washington, he's got swag. What do we mean by that? The dude's just chill. Like, he's cool. He's collected. He's confident. He's got swag. You know what I'm talking about. He's got swag. And this is what the Lord said. It's time for my church to get her swagger back. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. I am not talking. I am not talking about worldly swagger. You know, we all know the Hollywood stars. We know the power brokers in our culture. We know people that are arrogant, audacious, in your face, bold, brash. How do you know that's got no part in the body of Christ, no part in Christ's kingdom at all? That's not the type of swag I'm talking about. In fact, I want you to look with me here. Jeremiah chapter 9. This is what the Lord says about worldly swag. He says, don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this. Okay, what are we supposed to boast in? That they truly know me, God says. Boast in that. If you want to boast, boast in that. I want to show you three things that, that a lot of Christians even look to as far as their swag, all right? First one, we like to boast in our brains. How many of you know sometimes churches operate, you know, the person with the most brains is the leader or whatever, the person who knows the most, the person who passes the most Bible exams, whatever. But you know what? Have you figured out God is omniscient? And he is not impressed with human quiz bowl knowledge. God is not impressed with the smartest human being at all. And when you walk around or I walk around and we try to get our, our, our strokes, we try to get our swag from how smart we are or how talented we are, how gifted we are, how smart we are, God just laughs at that because he's so much beyond us, it's a joke. And if we would just see things in perspective, we wouldn't put our confidence 
in earthly swag, all right? Take a look at the second one here. Boasting in our brawn, our power, our influence, our physical strength. You know, there are people that are all about how big their muscles are. There are people about how powerful they are, what powerful leader they are, or what position they have, or how much influence they have, or who they know. God could care less about how well-connected we are. God could care less about what powerful people we know. Because how many of you know all power comes from him? And, 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 and he looks at some of the things we put our confidence in, earthly powers, presidents, uh, military might, um, whatever it is. And God's like, don't get your swagger off on that kinds of stuff. And then we go to the third thing, boasting in our bling, how much stuff we have, how much money we have. Well, Hollywood's so good at this, aren't they? The more stuff. The more makeup, the more jewelry, the more, the more bling, the more money, the more toys, the more 501Ks, whatever it is that you got. Listen to me, there's nothing the matter with any of those things, but that's not the source of our swagger. And when Christians put our minds and source and all that kind of stuff, possessions, earthly riches, God's like, come on, guys, are you kidding me? This is what the Lord says. You want to boast in something? Boast in the fact that you have a genuine, authentic, intimate relationship with me. Because I'm the one that gives you confidence in life and confidence to deal with the things that you're facing and the challenges that you face. In fact, Paul quotes Jeremiah chapter 9 when he's in 1 Corinthians. And I want to read this to you from the uh, Passion Translation. Again, I love how colorful this is. Brothers and sisters, consider who you were when God called you to salvation. I want us to pause right here. Can any of you think back to those days when, in your BC days before you were saved? How many of you know we were a mess? Our hearts were full of brokenness. We were addicted to things. We were in bondage to certain sins. We, we, had, we had all kinds of problems in our lives. Some of you came in, maybe you're on the top of the hill, and you thought you had, had the world by the tail. You had the bling and the brawn, and you had the influence, but you realized none of that made you happy. Bottom line is, think about where you were before you were saved. Look what it says next. Not many of you were wise scholars by human standards. Can I get an amen there? Amen. Nor were many of you in positions of power. We didn't have too many power brokers in the house, did we? And not many of you were considered elite when you answered God's call. But God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who think they're wise. And God chose the puny and the powerless to shame the high and the mighty. And God chose the lowly and the laughable in the world's eyes, nobodies, so that he would shame the somebodies. Isn't that good? For he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent, so that there would be no place for prideful boasting in God's presence. For it is not from man that we draw our life, but it is from God as we are being joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And now he is our God-given wisdom, our virtue, our God-given holiness, and our God-given redemption. And this fulfills what is written. Listen to this. If anyone boasts, let him only boast in all that the Lord has done. Now, how many of you know, this is what I love about the gospel. The gospel is so, amen, the gospel is so countercultural. God is not looking for talent when he puts his team together. God is not looking for money when he builds his church. God is not looking for bling. He's not looking for power brokers. He's not looking for any of those things. God looks for nobodies. Thank God. I fit his strategy. <laughs> nobodies. Why does he pick nobodies? So nobody will run around boasting that they're somebody. 
You know, the church is a place where, man, we're all on common ground at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter what your bank account is. It doesn't matter what position you hold. You know what? At the foot of the cross, we're a bunch of nobodies standing in awe of the only somebody that ever lived. His name's Jesus Christ. Why is it that in the church we spend all of our time chasing the same things, the same kind of swagger that the world's after? God says, you know, your swagger doesn't come from all that stuff. Your swagger comes from me. Your swagger comes out of relationship with me. Your confidence comes out of this union. How many of you know when you said yes to Christ, God, first of all, was pursuing you because you weren't looking for him, but he was looking for you. He was pursuing you. God loves to go after nobodies and turn them into somebodies. It's amazing. God goes after nobodies. He chases us down. But something amazing happens. When he opens our eyes, we see how awesome he is. We see ourselves in comparison to who he is, and we begin to repent over all the weakness and sin and the shameful things in our heart, and we invite Jesus to come into our lives. Something crazy happens. Boom, there's a supernatural union. The Bible talks about being in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It's like being wrapped in him. It's like there was such a beautiful picture of Joel and little Uriah on stage between the services. Uh, Joel had Uriah's hands, and he had Uriah on his lap, and he was playing drums with Uriah's hands. Uriah had the biggest smile on his face. He was like, and Joel was, you know, boom. I mean, he was rocking it. It was awesome. But little Uriah had this big smile because he was making some amazing music. But he wasn't making the music. He was enfolded in his uncle's arms. You with me? God's trying to make music in our lives out of nobodies. He's trying, he's the somebody, he's got you by the hands, he's trying to make some beautiful music out of our lives if we'll let him play. He's our righteousness, he's my holiness, he's my everything, he's my joy, he's my provision, he's my strength. I mean, we could go on and on, all of that comes by our union with Christ. This makes sense? So don't boast in our being somebody, let's boast in our being nobodies, that God is love. Have you ever asked the question in a moment of, of, of reflection, God, why did you choose me? Why did you choose me? It's a great question. Isn't it? I mean, I've been reduced to tears when I think about that. Why did God choose to reveal his greatness, his glory to me? It doesn't make any sense. But here's the point I want to get across. While God's not called us to earthly swagger, earthly pride, earthly self-confidence, I want to, I want to make this point loudly and clearly. God has absolutely called you to be a boaster on planet Earth. You're to be boasting in the greatness of God Almighty. You're to be boasting in who he is. You're to be boasting in what he does. You're to be boasting in his sufficiency. We are absolutely to have a mouth that is full of praise and confidence and swagger in God. What it means is, if I'm going through a challenge, I'm not going through a challenge by myself. I have God on my side. If it means I'm going through a physical issue, I'm not sitting there by myself, oh, woe is me. I've got God on my side. If, I, if I'm struggling with a sin area, I've got the Redeemer on my side. If I'm wondering, does God love me, I've got the cross on my side. In everything in life, God has called us to declare the greatness of who he is, to, to open our mouths and to release praise to him for all that he's done. And the problem is when the church stops boasting in God, she loses her swagger. Swagger is that confident knowing right in here 
That no matter what you're going through, God is bigger than what you're going through. That no matter what you're walking through that causes you pain right now, it is not being allowed for your harm. It is being allowed for your strength. God's trying to establish a stronghold where you have a place of weakness in your life. God's looking for situations to demonstrate the greatness of who he is, and he's wanting his people to brag about it before it happens, not only after it happens, but before it happens. That's called swagger. It's called confidence. It's what we're called to be. It's what we're called to do. Look at what David did. David said this in Psalm 20. Some find their strength in their weapons and their wisdom, but miracle deliverance can never be won by men. He says, my boast is in the Lord my God, who makes me strong and gives me victory. Now, this is awesome. David was a nobody. David was out with the sheep. David was forgotten by his own dad. You remember that situation? Talk about nobodies. The people responsible for herding the sheep in that culture were nobodies. They were at the bottom of the social stratosphere, all right? Nobodies. David's out with the sheep. God's coming to anoint a new king. Now, why is he looking for a new king? Because Saul, when he was called, was a nobody, but then he became a somebody. And he sealed his doom when he decided to call the sculptor to make that really nice statue in his honor. Y'all remember that? He forgot that his calling was from God, that his strength was from God, that his anointing came from God, and all of a sudden a nobody became a somebody in his own eyes. And before he even knew that the kingdom was being taken from his hands, God sent a nobody named Samuel to anoint another nobody named David. And when Samuel goes down the line, he says, nope, that's not the one. Nice boy, though. Nope, that's not the one. Good-looking son right there. Nope, that's not the one. That's not the one. That's not the one. You remember, seven sons go by. Nope, that's not the one. And then he says this question, do you have any more? And this is the response of, of David's father, Jesse. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I do. I, I, I do have one more son. He's out there with those sheep. You talk about God picking a nobody. And you talk about a nobody that became a somebody in God, but never lost the fact that he was a nobody. When he's in the cave and he's surrounded by a bunch of other nobodies. Look at the army. Look at the men that God built. Look at this, the material that he used. He took a bunch of nobodies who were broken and hurt and, 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 and full of sin and full of their own selves and full of insecurity. And, and David loved those men and prayed for those men and invested in those men. And those men all rose up to become great men of God, mighty warriors in David's army. And it was a little, a little boy that was a nobody that got his career launched when he comes back with the head of a demonic somebody in his hand. Y'all remember that story? And he got the head in his hand because he went out and he trash-talked and boasted in God, and he didn't, have, he didn't have any swagger. He's a teenager. If anybody had the swagger, it was Goliath, and he flaunted his bad self every single day. But David had swagger in God. And he said, you look at me, I can't even wear any armor. It's all too big for me. And all I got is a little slingshot. But how dare you blaspheme God Almighty? How dare you talk about my God? I mean, you talk about swagger. And I'm telling you what happens when, when nobodies 
start to talk about the only somebody and start to boast in God, that somebody takes notice of that nobody and great things begin to happen. And he's holding a head in his hand, a severed head, taken with the giant's own sword, uh, and he's bringing it back in the camp. You talk about holy swag going on. That is holy swag right there. Holding the head of, of a blasphemer of God in your hand. And I'm not talking about physical heads. Please understand me. I'm talking about going after the demonic, going after the things that try to rip us off. Um, and God's looking for somebody that just acts like he's God. That's what swagger is. It's people that just act like God's God. And then he's got our back, and then he's on our side. David, first of all, let me ask you this question. Is Psalm 20 in your Bible? Good, I'm just making sure, because here's how we should be praying when the devil's got us down, he's beating us up emotionally, spiritually, you're depressed, you're discouraged, you can either lay there and wallow in it, or you can get your swag on. What am I talking about? I'm talking about this. God, I thank you that some people are putting their confidence in strength or in weapons or in their own wisdom. But God, my boast is in you. You're the one who makes me strong. You're the one who's going to give me victory. Hallelujah. Game settled. Let's go win this thing. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go win this thing. Now listen, you got the same amount of faith as I'm speaking with right now. You got the same Bible. You got the same God. You got the same promises. But you all don't have the same swag. And let me just tell you why. That's your fault. Because you're not taking it seriously. You're not in the word. You're not attacking. You're not on the offensive. You're on the defensive. And you wonder why you're beat up. Your tail's between your legs. And you're wondering where's up or where's down. It's because you haven't learned to fight. And you haven't learned to fight with godly weapons. And you haven't learned to press in. And you haven't learned to take the word of God and believe it for your situation. And boast in the Lord. Hey, I, God, I know what this situation looks like now. I'm not liking it. I don't like this pressure here. I don't like this financial trial. I don't like this relational battle I'm going through. But God, I'm boasting in you. I'm a nobody, but you're everything. I can't fix this situation, but you can. You're a great God. God, I'm weak right now, but you're strong. God, I can't win the war, but you're my victory. God, I feel like I can't go on. You're my strength. What am I doing? I'm, I'm getting my swagger on in God. I'm engaging. That's called faith. That's called faith. And faith has to, I, nobody in this room can have faith for you. Not a single person. Not a single person. We can pray for you, we can encourage you, but we can't have faith for you. Very quickly here, David, or the Apostle Paul said it this way. As for me, I, I'm never going to boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, he said, my interest in this world has been crucified. I don't care about this world. And the world's interest in me has also died. I'm a, I'm a nobody. But here's what counts. What counts is whether I have been transformed into a new creation. Can I just share something with you? This is very, very important. There is so much carnality in the church today. What is carnality? It's self-will. It's self-love. It's self-pleasure. Why is there carnality in the church? Because you have got to say like Paul, what counts, what matters in my life is my transformation. See, some Christians, I'm telling you, they think I'm good to go, I come to church on Sunday. Thank you. 
Sound effects are appreciated. All right. <laughs> hey, you're being transformed just like me, and it's all good. All right. Listen to me. All that counts, Paul said, all that counts, all that matters is my personal transformation into, into the image of Jesus Christ. You know, there was a moment in my life, I've shared this before, when I yelled at one of my kids, and I realized, why did I have a short fuse, and why was my anger so intense? And my heart was broken. How many of you know when the Holy Spirit lives in you, you can't act that way? I just got to say that again. If you're a man in this room, and you love the Lord Jesus Christ, and you constantly lash out in anger, and you have a short fuse and rage against your spouse or against your kids, and there's no problem with it, and you're sitting here today, and you don't have any desire to deal with it. Let me just tell you, check the condition of your heart, because safe people cannot tolerate that kind of sin in their lives without being broken by God. How in the world do we treat each other like that and say that we're saved for any length of time? I'll tell you what it is, we're backslidden, our hearts are so cold, our hearts are so far from God that we can wound people and damage people and we don't even care. I'll tell you what happened to me that day, I hit the carpet in my basement and I cried out to God, I said, this is disgusting the way I'm treating my kids. Lord, change me, I don't even know why I'm this way, change me, I need help. I need help. I still remember the spot on the floor where my tears made a puddle because I was so broken. Because yes. what matters in life is your transformation and you can't sit back passively and suggest like it doesn't matter. It matters and you got to get engaged and you got to fight for things in your life that are ungodly. And you got to boast in the Lord, not in your own strength. But when you see things, you, you hit the ground, and you go after God, and you work this thing, because Paul said, all that matters is my transformation to be like Jesus. And you don't tolerate stuff like that going on in your life. You're a safe person. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're joined in union with Jesus Christ. God has called us to more than this. It's time we started living it. It's time we started living it. Let me end with this. Paul's talking about all that he's had to go through. And let me just say this. Somebody needs to hear this. If you're going through, literally, you feel like you're going through hell right now, it is not an indication that your life is not in right relationship with God. Many times God allows us to go through things so we build confidence in the Lord. So we learn not to be wimps all of our lives, but we learn to stand and fight and be strong and we get some breakthroughs and we have some scalps to hold in our hands of the enemy. That's what God's trying to teach us. He's trying to bring fight into your life so that you learn how to get victories over things. Listen to what Paul said. He said at one point, we expected to die. He's talking about physically being killed. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And listen to what he says in verse 10. He did rescue us. That's past tense. That means in the past, he rescued me from mortal danger. And look, at now he gets into the future tense. And he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him. And listen, he will continue to rescue us. I love this. Paul is already, he's already engaging in swagadocious behavior in the future for fights he hasn't even had yet. Did you see that? He said, you've been faithful. He said, at one point, I thought I was going to die. Literally, the opposition was so strong, he thought he was going to be murdered 
for, for the gospel. But what that taught me, he says, was not to put any confidence in my flesh. I'm going to put my confidence in God who raises dead things and brings them to life. And then he says, you know what? God was faithful in the past. And then he starts trash talking again. He says, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to start also confessing what God is about ready to do in my future. We need to get a hold of this in our prayer life. You know what I did this morning? I got up really early, and I went and I sat in a dark, cold foyer in one of those nice new couches, and you know what I did? I stared out at the field, and I just started prophesying. I just started thanking God for all that he's doing. I started thanking God for the fresh families that are coming that are going to be saved, thanking God for deliverance, thanking God for breakthroughs, praying over my own situation, praying for all of you, for praying for his presence, praying that God would take control of everything that, that is living stones, and, and just prophesying out loud what's to come. Oh, it is so great to say, oh, Satan, you know, look what the Lord did. He just healed me again. Isn't that awesome? And you know what? When you try to bring this garbage on me in the future, guess what? He's going to be faithful then, you loser. That's what I'm talking about swagger is. He'll be faithful then. Last week, last week, we sowed a seed. I say we married and I, you know, we're faithful to give our tithe to the Lord. But in sowing the seed, there are times when things are tight. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So here's what I did. I'm intentional about this. God, this is seed. I'm being obedient. God, I ask you to meet all of our needs uh, for kids in college and for this and for that. Lord, meet all of our needs. Do you know that the money that I gave in my tithe, which is way more than, our, than what is our normal tithe, because we are mo- trying to move into supernatural generosity, all right? Way more. Do you know that, that I had four or five different people hand me money last week that God had laid on their heart, and it was the amount that, that I tithed. I took the seed, gave it to the Lord, and he already gave it back. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm just telling you, you never have stories until you obey God. And, and, you, and you go, oh, yeah, devil? Yeah, I know things are tight. I know you're whispering in my ear stupid things like rob God. But I'm not going to rob God because God's my source, and I'm boasting in him. David said, I've been young, and now I'm old. I've never seen righteous people forsaken by God. That's what David said. That's what every great saint of God has ever said. Never seen God forsaken. So I start, I start telling the enemy that, and when I do, my heart gets happy. What am I doing? I'm boasting in the Lord. I'm boasting in the Lord. Look at what David said in Psalm 9, verse 10. May everyone who knows your mercy, anybody know the mercy of God today? Come on. Keep putting their trust in you, Lord, for they can count on you for help no matter what. Oh, Lord, you will never. Oh, he's not stuttering here. He's just repeating himself. Oh, Lord, you will never. No, never neglect those who come to you. My heart's getting happy just preaching this. That's, is that in your Bible? Do you guys have Psalm 9 in your Bible? It's in my Bible too. Isn't that amazing? Can we just see? For they can count on you, God, no matter what. How many of you know no matter what pretty much encompasses everything? Oh, Lord, you will never. Oh, let me repeat myself. No, never. Neglect those who come to you. Did you all hear what the Bible just said? I had a man this morning, he said, he said, Pastor, I believe it all right here. I'm just trying to get it right here. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How do you get it from here to here? 
You read it, you meditate on it, you pray it, you boast in the Lord, and you move out in confident faith. That's how it gets from here to here. And when the enemy attacks you again the next morning, you read it, you pray it, you personalize it, you chew on it, meditate on it, you pray it back to the Lord in thanksgiving, and you boast in the Lord again. Oh, devil, you're going to try for day three. Let me slap you again. This is fun. I like beating you up. This is fun. Oh, yeah, what are you saying? Oh, let me remind you again. You do it again. You know what happens after a bully gets whacked a few times? He stops showing up in that area of your life. Oh, oh, you want some more? Yeah, come here. We got a little more for you, my friend. Let me give you some more. Sorry, I cannot talk to you right now. All right. <laughs> Last verse. I'm trying to make you all happy. Is anybody happy? Have I, <laughs> have I depressed you? <laughs> Sometimes, my, you know, my goal is really for you all to leave here with a smile on your face and just so full of a holy swagger. But it's like, why is that guy screaming at me all sermon? I'm feeling depressed. Forgive me. I'm just into this message today. I probably need it myself. I'm ending with this, gospel truth. All right, Psalm 40, verse 4. Check this out. Blessing after blessing comes to those who love and trust the Lord. <laughs> All right. Is anybody in here blessing adverse? I mean, blessing adverse. You, you don't like blessings, what I'm trying to say. Anybody doesn't like blessings? Okay, good. Any Green Bay pack? I'm kidding. All right, no, forget them. Um, Everybody likes blessings. It comes to those who love the Lord. And it comes to those who put their trust in God. How many of you know God can't bless unbelief? Can't do it. Let me tell you what else he can't bless. He can't bless disobedience. You know, it's interesting. People say, oh, oh, I just love the Lord so much. But their lifestyle is a wreck. Let me tell you how you know if you love the Lord. You obey him. You obey him. It's really simple. In fact, Jesus said that. If you love me, you'll obey me. So let me paraphrase. Blessing after blessing comes upon those who love and obey Jesus, who honor his word, and who put their confidence that what he says is true, and that in going through life, he's no respecter of persons, and that he's looking for people that have a swagger about their life because they believe in who God is. I'm a nobody. He's everything. I don't have strength. He's got it all. I need wisdom. Oh, he's got it. I need someone to know that they got my back. Oh, he's got my back. He's also got my front. The Bible says, surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy. Man, my bodyguard's chasing me through life. Do you all believe this? This is the Bible. You don't wake up in the morning. Some people go, man, I just wish God would would maybe eke out a blessing for me. You can't help stupid. I'm serious. You can't help stupid. I've, I've been in this a long time. If you don't know what the book says and you don't believe it, you know, I just wish maybe the Lord would give me a break. Blessing after blessing follows people who love and trust God, and you're whining about a crumb? Are you kidding me? Get your swagger on is what I'm trying to say. Get your confidence in God. Drive out from your life everything that shouldn't be there. Get centered on who you are in Christ and believe that God is no respecter of persons. He loves you. He's for you. You're precious to him. And he wants to bless your life. The blessing of God is favor. It's the unmerited favor of God. 
you should wake up in the morning and go, God, I thank you that your favor is hanging over me like a cloud today. Thank you, Lord. And then make sure you don't live in such a way that you drive the cloud away. Does that make sense? Live under the favor of God. Live under the blessing of God. Live with expectation that God is for you and has your back. Live that God's going to come through. Live with an expectation that he's all that you need. And guess what will happen? He'll show you that it's true. And then you'll start prophesying in the next week and the next week. And then you'll get a sense of confidence in your life. That the, who am I, this little nobody that Jesus gave his life for and gave me all these incredible promises and gave me himself and gave me God himself, my, the true desire of my heart, and gave me the promise of victory in this life. So here's my challenge to all of you. We might be down 20 to nothing right now, but I'm, I want to be a part of a church that says, let's just go win this thing. Yeah, we don't, yep, not looking really good. Not looking really good. But we're going we're gonna to limp onto the field. And let me just tell you, when I'm limping, will you please cheer? And when you're limping because you had a rough week and some big guy fell on your leg, you know, if you're limping into church, we need to be part of a culture that cheers and says, that's okay, get back up. I know you had a rough week. Your best days are ahead of you. Come on, I know you failed God this week. Get back up. Ask him to forgive you. Let his favor fall back on your life. Come on, we believe in each other. So we walk into the arena sometimes like this. But you know what, when we got, that's called holy swagger right there. It looks like a limp to most people, but it's holy swagger. It's the swagger that, remember when Jacob wrestled with the angel? It didn't end so well for him, but he got a massive blessing out of it. But he walked with a limp the rest of his life. We need to have some Christians who know how to walk with the limp of heaven, the swagger of heaven, and they can say, you know what, yeah, I remember this injury, but you should have seen what he looks like, all right? How many of you ever been in a fight like that before? Oh, yeah, yeah, I got, got a little bloodied up, but you should see what he looks like, all right? Because we're going to stick it to the enemy together. And here's the cool thing. We are called to overcome everything. We're called to be winners. We're not losers. We're winners. The body of Christ win every time, win. The cross means we win. Second coming, win. Devil, loser, we win. Every demon in hell, lose, we win. Oh, we're down, no problem, we win. Oh, someone died, no problem, resurrection, hallelujah, we win. Uh, we win, we win, we win, we win. We get it in our head, we win, we win, we win. Uh, one more sports story, and I'm going to shut up. You guys are talking way too long. Anybody see John Grudem? Coach of the Raiders, worst team in football. They're terrible. They're terrible. He got interviewed after the game. He said, we're building a world champion. Everybody went, <laughs> watch, it'll happen. Because winners have a mentality that they're going to win. And guess what they do? They win. I really wish Aaron Rodgers was on my team. You know why? Because he wins. You know, you know why we hate the Patriots? Because they win all the time. You know why we don't like the Browns? Because they lose all the time, even when they have big leads. I want to be a part of a church that has a winning culture. You know, we, win, we, we won in 2018. Guess what we're going to do in 2019? Win! <laughs> 2020, win! Guess what we did back in 2005? Win! We're going to win, 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 win all the time. And you know, you know what winners do? They have a lot of fun together. So let's just have fun together. All right, you guys got to be quiet. Michael, you're talking way too much. Stand up. We're going to pray. And I'm going to cut you loose. Don't forget, if you're brand new here, we love you. 
and we want to win with you, and we want to meet you at 4 o'clock today in our uh, starting point class. Marriage class today, also 4 o'clock. You don't want to miss it. Let's learn how to love our spouses and build great families. Lord, help us to leave here today with heaven's swagger in our hearts. And so, Lord, we leave here knowing that we're sons and daughters, knowing that our confidence is in you. We have nothing to fear. You come through all the time. We love you. We thank you. We give you praise now. Bless us as we go in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer, come on down. We would love to pray with you, all right?